SCP-7819. No vacancy. Living in a society means living by rules, some of them spoken but many of them unspoken. Every interaction we have with another person or with an establishment is predicated on the idea of rules and procedures, most of which we take for granted, and many of which don't necessarily have to be followed, but it's best practice for politeness and to keep things running smoothly. Checking in and staying at a hotel is one such interaction you might have that features a number of spoken and unspoken rules that we as a society have come to understand and accept. SCP-7819 takes this process, checking in and staying at a small roadside motel, and adds some more rules to the process. A lot, in fact. And they're quite specific. Let's take a look. SCP-7819 is a predatory location manifesting along exits of the US highway system, generally appearing as a small roadside motel or hotel, always called the Rest Easy Inn. In order for this location to manifest for a driver, several conditions have to be met, including the driver being alone, the time being between midnight and 4am, the driver had to have been driving for at least 5 hours previously, and most curiously, the driver has to be either currently a Foundation employee or has been one in the past. Upon driving near the location, the driver will begin to feel a deep-seated sense of fatigue and tiredness, although it's currently unclear on whether or not this is an anomalous phenomenon or just a natural reaction to driving for several hours and seeing an opportunity for a break. This fatigue will continue until the driver exits the highway and pulls into the parking lot of the inn. If, however, they do not, and continue on, this sense of fatigue will remain, and more anomalously, their vehicle will be seamlessly transported several miles backward, often without the driver's realization. They will then see the inn again, and should they continue to drive past it, the process will repeat until they get off the highway and park in the inn's parking lot. No other action will allow them to break the cycle and the only way to break free from the phenomenon entirely is to park, enter the inn, and perform several specific activities. What follows is a SCP-7819 survival guide, compiled through a number of prior experiences that various Foundation employees have had and documented. It would seem that one has to be rather careful and specific about their actions in the inn in order to actually leave, and the document recommends that if you are in this situation, to remain calm and not rush, as accuracy and efficiency is more important for survival than speed. To begin with, you should bring your car into an empty parking space, trying to select one that's surrounded by other vehicles, as separating yourself from the pack would only attract attention. Once you've done so, take only what you need from your car such as the device you're reading this document on, your keys, your purse or wallet, and a bag containing some toiletries and essentials. Luggage and clothing will only slow you down, and be sure that if you have a firearm, you do not take it with you. Before entering, you should spend some time in the parking lot, observing the other parked cars. 
You will see some oddities, such as wheels made of wood, unclear jumbles where logos and brand marks should be, and shapes or designs that do not correspond to any actual vehicles. You should also avoid looking through any of the windows. If there's a large burning vehicle in the parking lot, definitely do not investigate it, and if at all possible, pretend it isn't even there. You should also enter the lobby before the fire goes out. In an entry from Foundation researcher Adam Middleton, he says that he followed this protocol, pulling his vehicle into the last parking spot available in the lot. He grabbed the few things he had and exited his vehicle, finding himself parked next to a big Dodge Caravan, before realizing that it's more like if you described a caravan to someone, and they described it to someone else, who made a model of it out of paper mache He accidentally knocked his hand against it and found that it was made out of some kind of plaster, and it was hollow. He started investigating the other cars then, finding them all to be odd like this. The logos and designs looked like cars he knew growing up, but upon closer inspection, they're all nonsensical. He wasn't frightened or anything, but it put him on edge, like when you know that someone is trying to put you at ease. After entering into the lobby of the inn, you should make your way to the front desk, which will be unoccupied. You may ring the bell once, if the sound brings you comfort, but you should wait there without exiting the lobby, and you should hum your favorite song to yourself as you wait. The silence in the lobby has been described as oppressive, but make sure to stop humming once you become aware of the noises coming from behind the counter. At that point, hop over the counter, where you'll find a closed door, rattling as though someone is on the other side. Listen to the sounds being made and write them down. When the sounds get louder, repeatedly slam your fist against the door, making sure not to speak. Eventually, you'll be slipped a key to a room, although this may not work on the first attempt, so repeat the process until you succeed, at which point say thank you and depart. Agent Mari Kyer noted that she heard pretty filthy noises coming from the other side, although they were soft enough that she had to press her ear against the door to hear anything. They were wet, slapping sounds, like someone thumping a drenched towel against the ground, over and over, along with a periodic wet coughing and a moaning. The moaning sounds were like someone in pain, as if they're starving to death, and it rises and falls in pitch. There's also someone whispering, and sometimes the moaning and whispering and coughing are all at the same time, making her wonder how many people are on the other side. She tried rattling the doorknob and the sounds all stopped, except for the moaning. After a few seconds, the noises resumed. The room key you will be given will inevitably be for a higher floor, and since you will be unable to find stairs, you'll have to use the elevator. You'll notice that the elevator buttons are in an inexplicable pattern with unclear writing on them, so you should just press whichever one feels right. There will never be another person in the elevator with you, so if you do see someone, be aware that they are not human. Do not stop looking at them, and always stand with your back against a wall. If the figure resembles an older, clean-cut man wearing an expensive suit and overcoat, do not even enter the elevator. 
The figure will smile at you, compliment your appearance, and hold the door for you, repeatedly attempting to convince you to enter. Make sure to politely but firmly tell it that you are just passing through, and you'll wait for the next one, and stand beyond the threshold of the elevator as it will not be able to pursue you. Eventually, the figure will move on. If the figure instead resembles a middle-aged woman in hiking gear, you may enter and take the elevator to your destination, although the ride will take much longer than it should, up to half an hour. Reciprocate the woman's attempts to make conversation, but do not be honest with her whatsoever. Instead, lie openly and brazenly about every possible detail, including obvious ones such as your ethnicity and age. If the figure instead resembles a young vagrant, it is safe to enter the elevator. The figure will not speak, but may offer you a hug, which you may or may not accept at your discretion. When you arrive at your floor, they may offer a small trinket, such as a tin duck or a ceramic ashtray, which you should accept gratefully and keep close at hand. Senior researcher Amir Marahi notes that his nerves were on fire when the elevator opened, and he fortunately got the vagrant instead of the Wall Street anglerfish. They were dressed in clothes completely worn through, looking no more than 19 or 20 years old. During the ride, the vagrant reached out, and Amir let him hug him, noting that it was a proper hug, which he hasn't had in a long time. The vagrant didn't say anything instead just hugging him for a few seconds, as if he knew that he needed it. He then stepped back, handed him a matchbox filled with leaves, and Amir got off the elevator. Following these instructions correctly, you will exit out of the elevator into a hallway of some kind. Your room key will be useless in locating your room, with it either having no number on it or having an impossible number on it. Instead, your room will make itself known to you when you find it, so you should begin walking down the hall. You should resist the urges to investigate the other rooms, as the doors have peepholes in them and making eye contact may invite unwelcome attention. Instead, keep your eyes focused down and ignore any feeling of being observed as you proceed. You should also avoid making any noises, as the other guests are sleeping. The hallway will generally not be linear, and you may find various other spaces along the way. Eventually though, you'll arrive at a crossroads, which will occur regardless of whether the exterior topology of the inn allows for them, meaning that they're suspected to be incongruous spaces. As such, it's advised not to remain in them for more than a few minutes, with personnel who have remained longer reporting dull headaches and paranoia. This is best addressed by picking a random direction and walking down the hall, and although it's unclear whether the inn adapts to one's mind or the other way around, this has been the most effective method for arriving at one's room. As for which room is yours, the document only says that you'll know it when you see it. Officer Louis Delion reported that they walked along the hallways for at least 40 minutes, seeing nothing but endless shag carpet flickering yellow lighting and crappy commercial art on the walls. He thought it would just be one long hallway, which it was at first, 
but then I took a sharp right turn, and then a left, then down a set of stairs, past a smoking lounge, through a little walkway. It didn't have any kind of sense or consistency to the construction, instead feeling like a weird amalgamation of every hotel he's ever been in, glued together without thought. Eventually it started to get really bizarre, with the carpet going from drab beige to the pattern you might find on bus seats, and curtains nailed into the walls. Every successive set of doors kept getting lifted a few inches off the ground until they were literally halfway into the ceiling. He remarks that this isn't a place people were meant to be. Once you use your key and enter your room, you will immediately feel a chillness in the air, but that's normal. Don't close the door behind you until you have turned on all of the lights and ensured that you're alone in the room. There may also be a door to an adjoining room. If so, move a piece of furniture in front of it or otherwise barricade it. The layout of the room will vary and may be bizarre, such as having mismatched furniture sets, dozens of chairs filling the room, or being difficult to traverse, but you should do your best to get comfortable. Note that the bathroom may be locked from the inside, but that's only a problem if you suspect that someone is inside, in which case you should bar the door to the best of your ability. You may keep the lights on or dim them, but either way you should get into a bed and pull the covers over yourself. If the room has a television, you may turn it on to calm yourself, with personnel suggesting that home and garden television delivers the best results. Eventually, you'll fall asleep. Researcher Brett Stevens reported that his room had three beds, fanned out and facing a single point, along with a microwave that wasn't even plugged in. He says that it was absolutely baffling, like it was designed by a person with no understanding of how humans lived. After making sure that everything was fine, he went into the bathroom, finding that all of the fixtures were fake with the plumbing unattached and the toilet and shower made out of plywood. It was hardly the weirdest thing he'd experienced so far, but for some reason it messed with him. He got out and slipped into bed, feeling insanely tired almost immediately despite the circumstances, barely keeping his eyes open. Right as he was drifting off though, it occurred to him that he hadn't checked under the beds. When you wake up, you'll find yourself in the hotel's hot tub, being physically awake but mentally exhausted. There will be no one else around you in the pool area, and a small radio set on a nearby table may be playing a song from your childhood with a poor quality signal. You should try to tune it better if you can, but don't change the station, with the document repeating this instruction to emphasize its importance. You may exit the hot tub and inspect the main pool, which will generally be of a strange shape and construction. You will find that the surface of the water has formed a thick, tight membrane that prevents objects from breaking through it, so don't step into the water as you will drown. Underneath the membrane you may see shapes moving around, but just ignore them. At this point you should re-enter the hot tub, this time fully submerging yourself. Once you go under, it will not feel warm at all, but rather painfully, bitingly cold, as though it were ice water. You should ignore this feeling, 
and open your eyes, finding that the tub descends several feet deeper than expected. Swim to the bottom and grab the small object you see lying on the floor, and inspect it after emerging from the water. You will then find your clothes neatly folded on a nearby table, so you should dry and redress yourself before heading back to your room. Agent Sabrina Maxwell notes how much she likes hotel pools, which are usually devoid of other patrons, allowing her to have a nice calming space to be alone in. She says that this wasn't like that though, instead feeling wrong in some interminable, indescribable way. Every facet of it seemed designed for maximum discomfort, with the echo bouncing off the ceiling and water being close enough to your own voice to trip you up. The angles and contours of the pool were unnatural, like someone had never seen a pool before, and there were literally hundreds of life preservers hanging off the walls. She states that the main pool was unnerving, with everything under the surface appearing blurry and hard to make out, and there were three or four indistinct shapes moving around, swimming back and forth. One of them looked like another person, so she put her hand against the surface of the water, at which point the figure swam up and pressed its palm where hers was, holding it there for a moment. Then it started slamming its fists against the membrane wildly, trying to tear through it, and she could hear it screeching from under the water. She screamed, moved backwards, grabbed her things, and ran. Thankfully, she only checked out the main pool after grabbing the object from the bottom of the hot tub, which turned out to be her engagement ring that she lost years ago, after flushing it down the toilet of a hotel. On your way back to your room, you will pass by the breakfast area attached to the lobby, and even though it will still be night outside, it will be open and the lights will be on. You should enter, finding a large amount of food laid out on the counters. Most of it will be inedible in some form, and whatever is edible should be ignored. The document emphasizes that you should not feel guilty about doing so, suggesting that something bad will occur if you do feel guilty, and instead make your way to the only other person in the breakfast area. You should join them at their table as they eat, and they will attempt to persuade you to stay. Politely but firmly deny them, which will make your head hurt but this is necessary should you actually wish to leave the place. They will repeatedly do this, and you must repeatedly deny them until they stop asking. Technician David Dominguez reports that the breakfast area was filled with plastic fruit, styrofoam waffles, and muddy water instead of coffee. It was all fake food, laid out and presented like a typical continental breakfast. He followed the instructions though, ignoring all of it and heading for the man at the table, describing him as an older guy, with salt and pepper hair, looking like every dad. The only sound in the room was his chewing, and the dead air on the television as it softly played static. The man seemed excited to see him, once he noticed him, and started bombarding David with questions once he took a seat. He asked where he was from where he was going, how long he'd been on the road, and they were genuine and sincere questions, not like the sinister edged ones from the people in the elevator. He wanted to know if David was alright and having a nice time. 
David tried his best to not feel bad about ignoring all of the questions and just saying that he wanted to leave, although he sensed that the man had heard this a lot. The man was persistent, asking what he can do to make the stay better, asking if David isn't enjoying the amenities, and asking if he doesn't think that this is nicer than having to deal with the troubles of life. David continued to say that he just wants to leave, and fought to choke down the parts of him that were saying that the man has a point. Eventually, the man got crestfallen, asking if there was anything he can do to make David stay, and after being denied again, he seemed to accept it. He told David to spend the rest of his night and check out in the morning. The man was still sitting there, alone, when David left. When you wake up the next morning, which will be late, regardless of when you fell asleep, you should gather your things and leave your room. You'll find that the layout of the inn has shifted dramatically and is much easier to navigate. Several doors in the hallway will be hanging open, and you'll pass by cleaning carts as though housekeeping is doing their rounds. There will be no one around except for you, so just head to the elevators and go back down to the lobby. There will also be no one at the front desk, but place your key there and leave the building. Get in your vehicle, noting that the parking lot will now be empty, and get back onto the highway. Drive until you get into contact with your nearest site, and report the encounter with SCP-7819. Researcher Taya Andrews notes that the light of day makes things feel a lot different, with the labyrinth of carpet and hallway just feeling odd now instead of sinister. She went downstairs, turning her key in, and finding that the breakfast area was closed again. She stepped out the doors, finding the sun to be shining, and got back into her car. She drove back onto the highway, put the hotel in her rearview mirror, and then as soon as it came, it was gone. She remarks that her parents and her used to take a lot of road trips when she was young, so they stayed in a lot of motels. The crappy roadside lodgings where the rooms are cramped and the prices are dirt cheap, with years old carpet, unfashionable furniture from the 80s, sinks that stick out into the room, and hard mattresses. They're not resorts, just places to lay your head down for the night. She calls them transitory spaces, where you're meant to come and go, not to stick around. Motels are not home, although they try their best to feel like they're home, just not particularly well. That's why they have such a unique vibe of their own, being corporate-designed spaces calculated to put you at ease. They're spaces for humans to inhabit, but there's nothing really human about them. SCP-7819 embodies that idea pretty well, with something that doesn't really understand humans trying fruitlessly to lure them in, with fractured memories of motel rooms and hot tubs. She sighs and says that she doesn't really know what 7819 is, really, and she can only make guesses from what she experienced. She took a lot of road trips as a kid, and there are some deeply, deeply strange things that live on the edges of these highways. The document then links to SCP-6819, another highway anomaly that only affects current or former Foundation employees, trying to get them to slow down or stop their car and approach a mysterious building. 
The document finishes by stating that if you followed these instructions, you'll exit without issue. But if not, they don't blame you for staying. This is a very fun article, if not because of the rules and procedures themselves for survival, but of everything that isn't said. We're not told practically at all what are the consequences and ramifications for not following any of these rules, from changing the radio station to feeling guilty for not eating the food, but instead it's all left to our imagination. We're also not told at all the process that the Foundation has gone through to figure all of this out, outside of the idea that this is simply based on evaluating the data of those that have survived. If they only get reports from people that made it back, and they all said that they didn't touch any of the food on the table, and they also didn't feel too bad about it, the Foundation can safely put that down as a rule. It's likely that there are some rules here that are still not strictly proven as necessary for survival, and there are some unknown factors perhaps, but they have compiled a working survival guide for the phenomenon, effectively beating it at its game. We're also not informed of why this is set up, and why it only affects current or former Foundation employees. Is it something with a grudge against the Foundation, or is it fascinated by it? Is it just confused and wants Foundation employees to enjoy the experience and stay longer? Or is all this set up on purpose for the Foundation to eventually figure out? Or perhaps it affects all sorts of people, but only those with access to this document make it back out. We'll likely never know, but it's rather interesting to come across an anomaly like this that a person can stumble into and survive simply thanks to knowledge albeit knowledge gained from the losses of countless others.